You're listening to the Ministry 127 podcast, a complimentary resource for today's spiritual leader. The purpose of Ministry 127 is to aid Christians in developing a biblical philosophy of ministry. Ministry 127 is a growing online library aimed at assisting ministry workers with Bible-based resources and is a ministry of Pastor Paul Chapel, the Lancaster Baptist Church, and West Coast Baptist College. For more information, visit ministry127.com and subscribe to the Ministry 127 podcast for more practical lessons for today's Christian worker. Dr. John Getch will be teaching this Ministry 127 podcast on living a life of devotion. Dr. Getch has been serving as the Executive Vice President of West Coast Baptist College for 15 years and continues to serve the Lord faithfully in evangelism. Psalms chapter 1 pastor asked me to give a lesson on living a life of devotion. My mind immediately went to this passage, and one of the reasons it did was um, in January of 2003, my father passed away, and at the funeral service for his home going, his pastor preached a message out of Psalms chapter 1, and basically took the psalm and applied it to my dad's life. And when Pastor Chapel said, do a session on living a life of devotion to, to laymen, I thought, you know, my mind went immediately there because uh, my dad was the best Christian I ever knew, and he really did live a life uh, dedicated to the Lord. And this psalm uh, gives us some great keys, some great fundamental principles to living that kind of a life, a life of devotion. Willie Mays, the great legendary baseball player of the past, once said, it was not hard to have a great game in baseball. What was hard was being great every game. You know, when I read that, I thought, that's true of the Christian life. It's not hard to have a great day as a Christian. You know, Sunday's a great day. And uh, you have great days at your church. You have great days with your family. You have great days in your Christian walk with the Lord. There are certain times that are just kind of high times. God blesses. God uses you in some way. And you think, man, that was awesome. It's not hard to have a great day as a Christian. But boy, living for God in a great way every day, that's the challenge, isn't it? And living that life of devotion, not just on Sunday, not just, you know, when there's something special going on, but every day of our life. And uh, in this passage, I believe we see four daily characteristics of a devoted man. First of all, number one, the devoted man is avoiding the world. He's avoiding the world. In verse number one, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. As I said this morning in the message, God and this world have nothing in common. And if we're going to live a godly life, we're going to live a devoted life, we've got to avoid the world. Now, what does that specifically mean? Well, he defines it here. He says he avoids self-oriented counsel. Verse number one, he says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. You know, it's important to get good counsel. There's a lot of counsel out there, and it's not all good. It's not all correct. It's not all right. Uh, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but uh, he that hearkeneth unto counsel is wise. And it's important to get the right kind of counsel. It's a very dangerous thing to listen to counsel of the ungodly. Listen, when somebody gives you advice, ask yourself, is, is, is God in this advice? 
Because if God's not in the advice, then it's ungodly. When you're getting advice, ask yourself, is this person giving me a scriptural principle on which to base this advice? I mean, after all, God's given us the answers in his word, and when, when we give counsel, we, 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 we strive to give people principles of the word of God, like Pastor Chapel said this morning. He's not interested in building a church that, 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 that says, well, uh, why do you believe this? Well, that's what Pastor says, but rather he desires a people that will say, well, that's what the Bible says. So when you're getting counsel from somebody, ask yourself, am I getting godly counsel? Is God in the counsel? Is God's word in the counsel? Seek ye out of the book of the Lord and read. No one of these shall fail. If you're getting your counsel from the word of God, it's not going to fail. There's a lot of counsel out there. There's a lot of advice out there. But be careful. The, 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 the man given to a life of devotion avoids self-oriented counsel. Secondly, he avoids a sinful course. It says, nor standeth in the way of sinners. Boy, there's a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Be careful of a sinful course. Um, the way of the transgressor's heart. And uh, beware, beware of, a, of a course that leads you away from God. There, there's, a, there's a way that seems right, and it's a broad way, and there's many people on it. God says, you know, the way that he wants us to go is sometimes a narrow way, and, and there aren't any folks around as you take that path. But beware, avoid a sinful course. Thirdly, he avoids scornful companions, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Who we fellowship with is very important. Whoso walketh with wise men should be wise, but a companion of fools should be destroyed. The old phrase, birds of a feather flock together, is not in the Bible, but the principle of it sure is. You know, you you lie down with dogs, you're going to rise up with fleas. And and there's a lot of truth to that, those old horse sense, common sense uh, sayings, you know. And and, and the Bible says, be careful. You you can throw a rotten apple in a bushel basket full of good apples, and that one rotten apple will turn them all bad. Now, you can take a good apple and throw it in a bushel basket full of rotten apples, and it won't make all those rotten apples good. There's just a principle there that oftentimes the wrong things rub off on us a lot easier than the right things do. That's why iron sharpens iron. We've got to be around the right kind of people. Scornful men bring a city into a snare. Evil communications corrupt good manners. And so the man devoted to a life for God is one who avoids the world. Secondly, the devoted man is attracted to the word. Verse number two, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. One of the things you'll find in the Bible over and over again is, is it, what I call the replacement dynamic. When God tells you to take something out of your life, he always tells you to put something in. He never wants you to leave a void there, because the devil will be sure to come in and fill that if you're not careful. So when God says, hey, don't do this, he, he likewise comes back and says, now here's something to do. And, he, and, and the devoted man to God is one who avoids the world, but he's attracted to the word. Uh, God's word becomes his primary pursuit. His delight is in the law of the Lord. Now, lots of things are necessary for our lives. Not, lots of things are good things, but the devoted man, his delight is in God's word. Oh, how I delight, the psalmist said, to do thy will. In Psalm 119, 40, verse 47, he says, I will delight myself in thy commandments, which I have loved. His delight, his pursuit, 
becomes the word of God. Thy word is very pure, therefore thy servant loveth it. Thy words were found, Jeremiah said, and I did eat them, and thy words were the joy and rejoicing of my heart. Uh, Job said, neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. And so his, the word of God becomes his primary d- d- pursuit. Secondly, God's word becomes his perpetual pondering. In his law doth he meditate day and night. Oh, how I love thy law. It's my meditation all the day, the psalmist said. I think of the people of Berea who were more noble than those in Thessalonica because they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether these things were so. They were saturating themselves with the word of God. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. Thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Thou mayest observe to do all that's written therein. Then thou shalt make the way prosperous. Then thou shalt have good success. The, the idea of meditate is, it, it has the idea of rumination. I was raised on a dairy farm. Cows ruminate. They, they, they eat food very quickly. They can, they can down a, a bushel basket full of, full of hay or corn very quickly, and, and they, they just kind of gulp it down. But then they ruminate. They bring it up, and they chew it. It's called chew the cud. They chew that food, and they, then they swallow it down into stomach number two. Then they ruminate again. Cows have four stomachs, and they, they, they keep ruminating that food, and that's the idea of the Word of God. God wants us to take it in in a sermon. He wants us to take it in in our daily devotions, but then throughout the day, He wants us to ruminate. He wants us to chew the cud. He wants us to meditate on these things, dwell on these things, muse on these things. And so the devoted man is avoiding the world. He's attracted to the Word. Thirdly, the devoted man is not affected by the wind. Verse 3, shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the, of the righteous. He's rooted, letter A, in a divine foundation. He shall be like a tree planted. You know, I think we all know that What's on top of the ground is, is, is not as important as what's underneath the ground when it comes to trees. I walked out in my yard one morning several years ago, and I had this big pine tree growing in the corner of my yard, and I walked out that morning, and that thing was flat on the ground. We really hadn't had much of a storm or anything, and I thought, what in the world? Somebody cut my tree down. And uh, I, I, I was in a hurry. I had to get over here, and I didn't really pay much attention to it. Later in the day, when I had a little more time, I went back over there, and and uh, I, I went over to the base of that tree, and, and, and that tree just, it was like it was sheared off right at the, right at the ground. And uh, I didn't have any, the proper tools or things to clean up the tree, and so had a guy come over, and he began to look at that thing, and that tree had absolutely no roots. I mean, none. That tree, because of the artificial watering of it, the sprinkling of it, and, and, and not being done properly far enough away from the tree, that tree had never developed any roots. That tree got up in the air a little bit, and that wind, a little bit of breeze that we get around here, <laughs> boy, that wind had taken that tree down. didn't take much because it didn't have any root system. You know, a lot of Christians go down day after day after day in our churches because we don't get our roots down in a divine foundation. Boy, get rooted, gentlemen, in the Word of God. Get rooted in the work of God in your local church. Get rooted. Get some roots down. 
The church is the pillar and ground of the truth. You want to you get rooted in that pillar, that ground of truth. Uh, you you want to get, get rooted in the rock that Jesus said he's building his church on. You want that to be your, your foundation, you see. So get rooted in the word, get rooted in God's work. And then he's not only rooted in a divine foundation, but let her be, he's reproducing a desirable fruit that bringeth forth his fruit in a season. It's God's desire that we bear fruit. God doesn't want shade trees, he wants fruit trees. A lot of Christians are just shade trees. And God wants some fruit trees. I, I have chosen. You've not chosen me. I've chosen you that you should uh, uh, bring forth fruit. God wants us to be productive Christians. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. Certainly, we can talk about the fruit of the Spirit, the love, the joy, the peace, the, the long-suffering, the temperance. We can also talk about the fruit of the righteous as a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. There's a fruit that needs to be taking place in our own life, some growing, some production taking place in our lives as we grow in grace. And then there needs to be a fruit from our lives and other people who we're trying to win to Christ. And so he's, a re- he's reproducing a desirable fruit, and then he's rejoicing in a discovered favor. Verse number three says, whatsoever you do, it shall prosper. You know, God will bless you as a devoted man to Christ. The faithful man shall abound with blessing. Don't, 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 let the, don't let the world convince you that they're having all the fun, that they get all the blessings. You know, I tell teenagers, I've been saying this every week this summer. Look, we get the idea that if I serve God, I'm going to be miserable. If I serve the world and sin, the devil, I'm going to be happy. You know, the devil's good at, at convincing us of that. I remember as a teenager, I thought, if I serve the Lord, God's going to call me to be a missionary. I'll spend my life in Africa, you know, living in a mud hut with snakes and eating boiled baboon the rest of my life. My neighbors will be these little short people that boil things in pots, particularly Caucasian missionaries, you know. And I, I thought, there ain't no way I want to live that kind of a life. I thought, if I, if I, if I surrender, I'm going to be miserable. But you know what? The choice God offers us is not between happiness and misery. The choice is between pleasure and pleasure. The difference is how long do you want the pleasure to last? Because there's pleasure in sin for a season. But Jesus, or the Bible says, Psalm 16, 11, at, thy, at my right hand there are pleasures forevermore. So, so the difference is not, you know, if I, serve, if I serve the world, I'll be happy. If I serve God, I'll be miserable. No, you, you can serve the world and be happy. You can serve God and be happy. But you can only be happy for a season in the world. With God, you can have eternal happiness. And, and so uh, there's a rejoicing and a discovered favor as God begins to bless your life. As you live for God daily, you, you alienate from the world and you become attracted to the word and you start uh, not being affected by all the winds of doctrine floating around out there. Then you'll start receiving God's favor. And then letter D, he's resilient to a damaging falsehood. See, The ungodly are not like this tree that's planted. They're like a chaff that's being blown every which way. Paul refers to these children being tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. And boy, there's a lot of stuff blown around out there. There's a lot of stuff that can easily take you away. Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. 
The devil would like to destroy our life, and the devoted man stays anchored to God, anchored to what God has for his life. So he's avoiding the world, he's attracted to the word, he's unaffected by the wind. And then number four, the devoted man is not ashamed of his wages. Verse number six, the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. We might wonder, okay, Brother Gatch, the Bible's true, I know that, and what you're saying is right, but is it all going to work out in the end? We know what God asks, we know what God commands, but is it going to be worth it? Recently, somebody sent me an email that contained a note that was um, written to a, a missionary in Scotland. And this missionary had been out knocking on doors and leaving tracks and flyers on doors. He received this email. I was deeply offended, annoyed, and outraged by the leaflet you recently put through my letterbox telling me I was a reject and spouting nonsense that I was a sinner. What gives you the right to push this rubbish into my home? The sin is yours in not using your brain for rational thought and believing in this garbage. You are a disgrace for a human being believing in an invisible man. I take it being grown up, you don't believe in Santa Claus. Well, grow up and forget about this mince. You and people like you are holding back the human race. If I receive any more of this nonsense, I will personally come around to return it. That's our world today. Maybe not everybody has the courage to send you an email, but sometimes that's what's going on in their mind. And, and we might think, is it, is it really worth it? I mean, I'm trying to take my stand. I'm trying to do what's right. I'm trying to be faithful to God. Notice what God says in verse 6. His journey may be rigorous. The Lord knoweth the way of the righteous. God knows the way of the righteous. God says, hey, your way may not always be easy. You may not always understand your way. But remember, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. His journey may be rigorous, but let her be. His judgment will be rewarding. God knows our ways, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. You may have read the story or heard the story of the elderly couple who had served in Africa for years and years on the mission field. Their health was broken down. Their days now were very limited. They knew it was time to come home. So they boarded a ship, began that journey across the Atlantic back to New York Harbor. They were tired, they were weary, they were worn out. They'd done their best. As the ship approached the harbor, everyone came up to the deck of the boat to see those that perhaps were gathered there to welcome them in, and boy, a huge crowd was gathered. A band was playing. People were waving flags and had banners, welcome home, and the missionary's heart was encouraged he thought, wow, it has been worth it. Wow, look at this crowd. I didn't realize so many people had been praying for us and were on our side. And boy's heart began to leap inside. And yet as they pulled up to the dock and the plank was placed down, President Roosevelt left that ship, walked across that plank. He had been on a hunting expedition to Africa. 
And that crowd was there to welcome the president back home. As the president made his way to his motorcade and off into the distance, the crowd likewise dispersed and not a soul was there to meet that missionary couple. The elderly man, he looked at his wife. He said, can you believe it? Not one person to welcome us home. That godly wife said, husband, honey, we're not home yet. Guys, the world may not appreciate you being a devoted man to the cause of Christ, but there's somebody there who knows all about it. And One day, while the world will clap and applaud for the people who supposedly are the success stories in life, when the journey's finally over, you get to that other side, it'll be welcome home and well done, a good and faithful servant. Boy, I challenge you as a lay person, Stay close to God. Stay close to your pastor. Stay close to your church. Stay close to the Lord. God will honor you as a devoted man for Christ. Thank you for listening to this Ministry 127 podcast. Today's lesson was on living a life of devotion with Dr. John Getch. This podcast was designed to equip spiritual leaders to grow in the Word and develop a biblical philosophy of ministry for today's local church. Be sure to let a friend know about ministry127.com. Also, for Christ-honoring publications, please visit strivingtogether.com for resources that encourage spiritual growth and the local church ministry. Thank you for listening to this Ministry 127 podcast.